Hello and welcome to the Mal and Johnny show. Now, then the thing about my career and Johnny's career is that we've had to work in various different fields and it takes a little while to gauge your audience or to know beforehand what type of show you should put on. And this is your idea, Johnny, isn't it? You were, you were texting me a little bit earlier. You said you've been doing nighttime shows and e early morning. Yeah, you, early morning shows. Now, I mean, what's, your, what's your, your thoughts? I mean, different kind of music, different kind of chat. What, is it a totally different approach or the same? Who knows? Well, you're right. You know, they are very different types of audience at different times of the day. If you're thinking about radio, we'll come back to the shows in a minute. But yeah. you know, if you're on the morning, um, people are rushing around. Uh, they want to be woken up. They want to have something bright. They want little links. You know, they just want you to say, and the news this morning, da 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 da, ba, da da da, onto the next record. And you've got to be yeah. bright. And, and it was a guy, actually, a guy called Gus Dudgeon. Who was a music yeah. producer? He produced Elton and he produced Gus, uh, he produced um, David Bowie. But he said, Mal, when you sing, smile. He said, You can tell the difference if you sing smiling or not smiling. And it's well, because right. your voice just changes. If you talk it like does. That, it's you talk, for the most different, isn't it? Yeah. If you talk like, if you know, if you've got your mouth down like that, you, you're not smiling, and you, yeah, can, yeah. you can sort of, you can sort of tell. So early mornings, nice, sharp, quick. There we are. On to the next smile. One. Evenings, night times, people have got more time. Some of them are in bed. The last thing they want is to be, you know, well, unless it's a Friday night, maybe they want a bit of a party. But they, they just want to be talked talk to. And it means you can develop a conversation a lot more because people yeah. seem to have a bit more time in the nights. You know, there's lots of things you can do in the night. Um, but if they've chosen yeah. to listen to you uh, on the radio, they've done it for a reason. So you've got people working night shifts. You've got nurses and, and doctors, emergency services, people delivering stuff. And then you get a chance to develop that. So it takes time. The music yeah. isn't quite so frenetic. And yeah. you, can, you can talk longer. So I think do you know what? Uh, do you know what I miss? I mean, um, Don Black used to have a program. He always played all the old standards. Your Sinatras and Tony Bennett's and so on. And that was great. And I mean, uh, there's an audience out there for those that kind of easy, easy listening. But it was late at night, obviously. I think it was 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on a Sunday. And um, I'm just wondering why nobody does that kind of program anymore. They, they cancelled his show and that was it. Yeah, I, it, it, is, it is funny. I mean, a lot of it's not down to the broadcaster or the audience. It's down the to producer. the producer. Exactly. The who's, tw who's 26. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> One thirty beats per minute and, and the newest thing that, you know, no, nobody wants to hear. But that's, you know, that's, that's two old men talking, John. That's I know, I know. Talking. But there are a lot of old men out there listening to the radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about then, you know, shows? Because you did, and I suppose that's experience, isn't it? When you do lots of different types of shows. Yeah. You get to work out who and what the audience is pretty quickly because once you yeah. make a mistake once you don't want to make that mistake again that's right i mean for instance different nationalities if you're working to americans they've got a different attitude altogether i mean an american audience they're tap dancing they'll, they'll clap a step they won't wait till the end they'll say a good step they go yeah and they'll clap it see they get involved and very enthusiastic whereas over here they'll go let me entertain me and then at the end if they like you they clap <laughs> But material-wise, um, I've always tended to do like an international type of act so people will know the impression of Sammy Davis Jr. if they're in Aberdeer or if they're in like, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to keep that universal feel. I, re I remember, you know, because obviously if you're a singer-songwriter and you're writing these, these passionate songs, yeah. you want people to listen to you. But yeah. I soon found out 
it has to be the right environment. Now, then, if somebody books you for a party, or somebody books you for well, a bar mitzvah, or I used to, when I went, went to London um, at the university, I was just trying to make a living, I started working in wine bars and restaurants. Right, yeah. Um, there was no point in the world in me singing my latest heartfelt, bro- heartbroken song. What they wanted was Billy Joel, Elton John, and Neil Diamond. That's right. um, yeah. But it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because I know what I wanted to do, but yeah. actually the job that I was being employed to wasn't about me it was about the audience i mean it really wasn't that much different to being a, a you know a waiter or the chef or the maitre d i was there to provide a service yeah it yeah. wasn't about me have you have you ever had to come to terms with that particularly when you were putting well, your records out in I think, yeah and also in the clubs used to get they danced to anything you know they danced to a juggler you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> whatever you sang they got up and danced to it they're not listening to your lyric yeah i remember one comedian going on once and he he did his joke and it died and he said, you can dance to these jokes if you like. <laughs> are, are, yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you, if it's like a, a party, you've got you've to judge the time you go on as well. If you go on after they've eaten and they've drunk and they're ready to dance about, they're not going to listen. Yeah. You've got to time it so they've just eaten their food. They're on their coffee. That's the time to go on. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Because I used to, to do that yeah, on the ships. It was the same. They used to put me on too late. They're too tired on the ships, you know, and certainly they want to go to bed, get up no more. So I said, well, stick me on at cocktail hour. That's a good time. They've yeah. had a cocktail. They're going into dinner and they're still fresh, you know. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Then? No, I was going to say we were the same with weddings because we, mm. um, we've, we quickly learned when we started doing the clubs. I'd never done the clubs before. We had the band and you realized you can't, you can't give them a moment to think. It has no. to be the next song, the next song, the next song, the next song. Because once you lose the dance floor, getting them back up on the dance floor is tough. So we learned those lessons. We learned them pretty well by the end. I mean, the show used to run, you know, like clockwork. All the links were there, all the all the bits of music in between, you know, it'd be at, at 45, 50 minutes, and then the second half be an hour and hour and fifteen. But then we do we'd be booked to do weddings. And obviously, for the person whose wedding it is. It's either their first or second wedding. You know, they haven't yeah. done lots of them, but we've done lots of them. So I used to say, look, will you trust me? There's a golden moment at which the band should go on. If we go too early, they won't be interested. If we go too late, we'll have lost yeah. them. I said, there's a golden moment, and I will be looking for that golden moment. And when I say it's the golden moment, can we then go? And usually people would trust me, usually. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally they wouldn't. And it would be really hard work there. Well, it to, is, yeah. To rescue them. They are night. You know, they wanted the best night, but they thought, you know, that they knew how it worked. And actually, when you've done as many gigs as you have, or as I have, yeah, you've probably learned from your mistakes what, what, what doesn't work. Well, it's the timing of it, isn't it? You've got to go on the right, as you say, the right time when they're ready for it. Mm. Not when they've had too much to drink or not before they've had their dinner. It, it's, it's, it's about that. It's about the timing. Yeah. What about material? How about choosing your material for an audience? Was that always difficult well, or did you do the same show? I usually, well, what I, like the other night I, I, I did a gig and I, I started off and I did, I'm so excited, which is quite a tempo thing. Mm-hmm. Then I realized the audience are a bit older than normal in this audience. So I thought, hang on, they're not into rock and roll. Well, they might be into rock and roll, but they won't be into this modern type of uh, beat music. So I thought, right, I'll do a standard. So I did Sweet Georgia Brown. And straight away, you could see their eyes were up there. They were looking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Um, it's it's yeah, as you say, it's horses for courses. You have to. And then I thought, well, they're going to like a bit of sing along stuff at the end of this. So I did a bit of a Frankie Vaughan medley. You know, 
Hello, Dolly. Now, they were all singing along with me. Now, I wouldn't do that if I was in a nightclub. They'd say, what's he doing? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, like, um, and I had to learn this, that when, you know, if people come for a party, they come for a party, you're the party band. Yeah. People have bought tickets in a theatre. They've come to see you. Come to see you. And they actually want the stories and the songs and your that's songs because right. they've actually paid money to yeah. see you. And that's, that's quite hard, you know. When, when I after we'd done all the club things and the party things, I was always tempted to, to put a pile of covers in. And actually, that audience didn't want it. They wanted, you know, the soulful songs, the songs that, that meant something to me, that had a story to them, that I could yeah. share that story with them. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, you know, again, it, it's never, you're never too old to so learn, are you? Well, it's like, it's like doing stuff. Like a lot of artists go on stage and they, they want to plug their new record or their new mm. album. And, if you do something that's brand new, people have never heard it before. They're mm. not going to jump around and say, oh, that's fantastic. They've got to hear it a few times. Mm -hmm. So I remember doing this thing when I was in Belgium, and um, I wanted to do my record amongst the, I had to sing about four or five songs. I wanted to do my record, and it was brand new, so nobody knew it. Unless they, so Huey Green, who was with us at the time, he said, no, he said, you've got to do Delilah. I said, what for? He said, because they'll know Delilah. He said, I remember seeing Gracie Fields, and the first time she sang Sally, nobody listened. He said, you got to grab them. And if you want to grab them, you got to give them what they want. Yeah. yeah. You can slip one in now and again just to give it a bit of, but you know, these people who get self-indulgent and do like six new songs, forget it. You're going to lose your audience. But then, you see, then, then there's the artist. Now, I went to see uh, Bob Dylan at Hyde yeah. Park, right? It was a couple of years ago. And um, it was sold out, obviously. You know, and the, the the artist before him was Neil Young. So right. Neil Young did all of his hits exactly like the records. Right. I mean, almost, you know, like a perfect copy of the records. Bob Dylan doesn't give a monkeys. So mm. he came out and literally every song you'd be there going, hmm. Yeah. I do, I do know this one. I do know. Oh, no, what song is this? Oh, this is, you know, <laughs> the answer my friend is blowing Mr. Tambourine Man. I was like, that's yeah. what it is. Well, that's what it is. Um, Van Morrison has a, uh, has a habit of performing with his back to the audience. Oh, yeah. Mr. Because Mr. Happy. Van. Mr. Happy. You know, so he just <laughs> he, he doesn't. But I suppose they've earned the right to treat their audience with disrespect. Is that fair? Are you sure no, you, you should do, that? do it. You should do it. Because your audience, without your audience, where are you? You know, that's it. It's like you get artists that become big stars. I mean, quite a few would do this, but I won't mention any names. They don't want to sign autographs. I know, oh, I don't want to. Well, I'm sorry. You know, without those people coming up, can I be your autograph? They wouldn't be where they are. No. So you've got to respect your audience. Otherwise, what's the point? You're in show business. You are there to entertain those people, not to entertain yourself. Be self-indulgent. Yeah, do people sometimes then, some artists, forget that they actually are? In show business, that it becomes... Well, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, I don't understand this. I'm not speaking on each other. Do you remember um, Orville and, and, and... Oh, yes, um, Keith Harrison yeah, Orville. Keith Harrison Orville. Well, I worked with Keith, and he's a nice bloke, you know. Um, and he made it big with Orville. Mm -hmm. But he never... He couldn't get over the fact that before that, he did an act with a monkey, which is a bit near the... And that's the, the act he liked. And he resented this duck because he'd made it with this duck. And he, he said, I'm a kid's entertainer now. I don't want to be a kid's entertainer. But I said, go with the flow. You're a big star now, Keith. Do you know, know what I mean? I, I know how he feels, Feynman Sam. Um, I, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go with the flow. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you another one. Go on. Uh, um, 
what's the name? David Jason was in my house, okay? Because yeah. I knew him and I always knew him very well. And he came here with his, his girlfriend, Emma Vanry. And uh, my little girl was about six or seven in those days. I mean, she's 30 now, right? She's six or seven. And um, she had a little friend with her. So the, my daughter said, do you know who this is to her friend? And she said, yeah, it's Del Boy. He went, and Frost. <laughs> <laughs> the kid didn't know what the hell he was talking about. He wanted to be recognised with other stuff, which I can understand. Of course you can but, understand. You know, it. Yeah, but yeah, don't yeah. knock Del Boy. Without Del Boy, you wouldn't have made Frost. Uh, I remember going back to university and all the people I'd been to university with had been like in the treasury and all these big yeah. companies. One by one over the weekend, they came and said, did you, did you really sing Fireman's Ham? And um, although I was quite pleased that they knew I'd done something, I went away thinking, is that all my life's worth? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I'm Marco forever now. You it. are Marco from the yeah. I can't. Have I've been to Monte Carlo. I've been to the Palladium, <laughs> but I'm Marco. Just get uh, yourself. Oh uh, yeah, hurry up, hurry up with it, Stacey. <laughs> we've got six Elvises here. We all want a cappuccino. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's people remember, people shouted from the roof, you know. And I think, well, what, what am I doing? Ted Rogers, you know, used to do three, two, one. He was a very good stand-up comedian. That's what he was. And he had a writer, and he used to do all the one-liners, and, and, he, and he'd have the stuff from the day, daily paper. And he was terrific. It didn't, people didn't know he did that. They thought he was a, you know, three-to-one. That was it. Yeah, well, Ringo Starr. He, he was Thomas the Tank Engine, wasn't he? Apparently he played drums as well. for some, some. <laughs> He played drums well again. Okay, so are you still learning? I mean, you, you learned some lessons the other day, as he said, you could see from I, the audience. Well, yeah, I just, uh, you adjust. You know what to do. You adjust. You go and you've got a bunch of people, you're playing your band, and you see they're all in, they're going to play up-tempo stuff, they're going to kill themselves, you're going to do what they want, you know what I mean? But see, where we go wrong, if you look at an old, an old audience, when you say old, even if they're up to 80s, they were around when Elvis was about. Yeah. So yeah. they like rock and roll. People in the 70s grew up with the Beatles and with that's the Rolling right. Stones. People that's in the right. 60s had the T-Rex, you know, yeah, Wizard right. and all that. So they Don't yeah. give them Billy Vanilli, but they could get... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, it's good, good to know that we're, um, we're we're still learning, but we're still adjusting to our... And I think we've adjusted to our audience. We know our audience, don't we, here the Man and Johnny do, podcast? We do. Thank I love my audience. I'll sign anybody's autograph. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant oh. stuff. All right. Well, it was just a bit of a chat this afternoon. You've been yeah. listening to uh, the Man and Johnny show. Uh, uh, so it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheerio, bye. Ta-da, Mal. See you later. <laughs>